Welcome to the podcast, Life Without Limits. So this is the podcast where we talk to interesting people about their life stories, where they've gone through tough times and come out the other side to achieve great things. So today we're talking to Dan Eden, and he's a PTI in the army, um, and he recently had a car crash which left him with no use of his arm. So we're going to find out a bit about him and his story. Welcome, Dan. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good. So tell us a little bit about you and your story. Uh, so my name's Dan, I've just covered. Um, I'm currently in the army. I have been since uh, 2015, um, doing a role as a PTI. Um, and yeah, now I'm getting onto the adaptive fitness scene with one time Robocop arm. <laughs> like, do you find it, you had to change completely everything to train into the um, CrossFit now? Yeah, 100%. So uh, when I went through the period of being in hospital and not being able to do anything, it was quite a mind sort of challenging period of time, not being able to do anything at all. Uh, so as soon as I left hospital, it was kind of straight into the deep end, seeing what I could and couldn't do. Um, and if there was something that I couldn't do, I was always trying to find a ways and means around it. Um, with the CrossFit side, that sort of came as a surprise to me. It was something that I didn't really know was a thing. You know, you always imagine CrossFit as these sort of middle-aged man six pack massive doing handstand press ups against the wall. Um, so with me having one times deficient arm, I thought, you know, it was probably a bit unrealistic to get myself on that. Um, but yeah, no, I got introduced to a few people um, at Dataeon, as you already know. Um, and yeah, it's sort of sprang into action that way, really. So how, how did it all happen? So you, you was a PTI in the army training new recruits. Yeah. How did your injury, injury happen? So a bit like school, if you like, you get periods across the year where you can have time off to go visit family, go on holiday, etc. So mine was in December 21. Um, I've just been up to Manchester to visit my parents, which is what I do every year. I go up there and see them. And unfortunately for me, on the journey back, I had an animal running the road, uh, went to move out the way of the animal and lost control, control of the back end of the car. Um, as the car was rolling, my arm ended up subsequently going out the window. And then, yeah... Um, just kind of a downward spiral from there, really, in terms of what life used to be like beforehand. But yeah. So your car flipped and you ended up nearly falling out the window, and your arm was yeah. out the window and got caught. Yeah, correct. So yeah, my my car rolled. My arm was in out the window at the time, um, and yeah, unfortunately, my arm got trapped. Um, everything was kind of a bit slow motion after that point, I suppose. Um, you know, you, you sort of look around, you see the airbags go off in slow mo, and then for me, I went to open the car door, and my arm did nothing, and I was like, you know, what's going on here? Uh, you sort of like your brain's trying to understand why the rest of your body isn't getting the signal that it's trying to tell it to do. Um, so I realised obviously something was wrong with my arm. Managed to open it with the other uh, with the other arm. Um, got out and yeah, I just noticed that my white shirt wasn't very white anymore. Um, sort of had a moment of panic and then something inside you just sort of clicks and you get control of the situation. So for me, I managed to make like a makeshift tourniquet out of my shirt got that sorted and then sort of had a moment of flap, tried to phone around a few people to see um, if they were awake. And then it wasn't until my car phone 999 for me, I started hearing talking and I wasn't sure if it was me sort of tripping out at the time, um, but it sort of rehomed my senses back into sorting that out. So I told them where I was, told them the situation, give them a few personal details. And then luckily for me, I saw a set of headlights coming in the distance and it was kind of like a rabbit to the headlight. I was straight off the call without even saying bye and straight towards these headlights. And luckily for me, it was another soldier who had two bandages in his boot. So we managed to bandage my arm. And then, you know, the next thing I know, I was waking up in a hospital surrounded by a load of people and I'd passed out the side of the road. Wow. So your car yeah. really kind of nearly saved your life, really, by calling you 
emergency services. Pretty much, yeah. You know, it's quite a good a good thing to have. I've later found out the main purpose of it is, is if people are trapped in their cars and their phones have flew out the window or anything like that and they're pinned down, then they've got an option to be able to speak to somebody and get help as opposed to just being stuck roadside with no help at all. So it's, it's quite a nifty feature to have and something I didn't even know I had until the accident. So, yeah. There was no other cars around when your crash happened? and you just No, so I just got back from Manchester and it was about half 12 at the time. Uh, so 0012, uh, 15, sorry, in the morning or whatever. And um, yeah, it was just a pitch black road, a road that I've been down many times, you know, never had any issues with and just unfortunately... Everything seemed to piece together, you know. The service station I usually stop at on the way back from Manchester. I didn't because I was stuck in four hours of traffic. Had the four hours of traffic not happened, maybe I would have been back sooner. There's loads of like sort of alternative stories and scenarios you put yourself through, and it's just like it happened. It is what it is. Like I just blame my parents now for making me go back at Christmas. <laughs> oh man. So, what have been some of the biggest obstacles you've faced, and how have you kind of overcome them? So I think the biggest thing is just um, accepting it. I think you always find yourself um, putting yourself in a little pit of darkness, you know, thinking, you know, the, the sorts of questions of why me, you know, why has this happened? And I think you con yourself into thinking that you're going to all of a sudden have a magical recovery, like somebody's going to wave a magic wand and all of a sudden life, that's how it was. So I think accepting it was probably the biggest thing. Secondly, um, my job, you know, I've got used to something I've done for eight years, you know, very passionate about, um, now in a position where that could potentially be being taken away from me, just obviously due to the injury and what comes with the injury. Uh, and then thirdly, it's, it's sort of minor as it seems probably in most people's lives, which is just the training piece. You know, training is something that makes up most of my day. If I'm not helping other people with training, then I'm training myself. And if I'm not doing either, then I'm planning some sort of training event. Um, so, yeah, I think trying to adapt is the key word. Adapt to things and realise actually it's not as dark and gloomy as it seems and that there's alternatives and I think it's just broadening your sort of horizons and learning about stuff like that everything's a comparison you want you know I compare myself massively to what I used to do and now I've been introduced to this CrossFit scene where it gives me an opportunity to do stuff within my control you know that's just an adaption it's not something you know training hasn't just stopped I've just had to switch fire and focus on a on something else that I'd never before heard of. So with your arm now have you lost complete use and feeling of the arm? So with it itself, so I can move it from the shoulder, so the shoulder works. I can engage sort of, I don't know if you'll be able to sit, so I can engage that muscle by sort of just, I could do in a full tense if you like. Um, but from the elbow down is this metal work in the arm and the bones are basically healed around the elbow itself. So the metal work doesn't move. So what we're supposed to have sort of some degree of movement doesn't now do anything. Across the top's quite hypersensitive and then everything underneath and around the back is what was originally on my leg. Um, and then the fingers, you know, I can sort of do finger to thumb, but the rest of them are sort of nil and void. They don't do anything really, because um, I've got a nerve severed in the arm as well, which has stopped that from having any function at all. You kind of had to relive life of learning how to use one arm, really, haven't you? Exactly that, yeah. Eating was quite an interesting one. It took me 20 minutes to butter a piece of toast once upon a time, but I was actually <laughs> stubborn. I didn't want to give up. <laughs> um, so you were saying that um, now that you can't use it from the elbow below, you're looking to get it amputated? Correct, yeah. So I've sort of been up and down the country over the last 18 months because that's how long it's been now since the accident. Um, just trying to get opinions, second opinions, so those opinions, see specialists. Um, and I think, yeah, the most recent interview meeting I had with a consultant was down at Salisbury. Um, she's dealt with quite a lot of um, 
military personnel and amputations um, before. So she was like the the SME, if you like, the sort of the the main person for the job. Um, so I went in for a, a meeting with her. We had a discussion, spoke about everything, and then uh, yeah, she decided that it wasn't unrealistic for me to be to be focusing on trying to get an amputation sorted. So um, so yeah, that's that's that was the plan. We've just now got to wait out to make sure that things with my life and work and stuff like that and where I'll be living sort of align with her. So they've got a bit of a duty of care. They won't just do the amputation and then once I've had my period of sort of rehabilitating if you like after the amputation has been done just sort of letting me go and not really know what I'm going to be walking into so yeah there's a there's a few moving pieces at the minute that need to sort of stop moving um, before we can go head on with that. Has the, has the um, accident changed your role in the army at all? So have you had to adapt anyway? So it hasn't changed my role it's stopped my role if you like so because of the injury um, because of sort of at the time, like I said, you know, there was opinions, second opinions. Everybody wanted to make sure they were doing the right thing. They they sort of just put me on a stop at work just so that I didn't necessarily, you know, didn't particularly get my arm more in a, in a more injured state, if you like. So I, if it's like this now, if I was in work and somebody ran into me, if I slipped up or something, it, they just wanted to sort of remove that risk factor. Um, so I've just been doing my own rehab, you know, going for appointments, ticking away stuff in, within work itself. Um, but yeah, no, I can't really fault work for what they've done. They've been quite supportive. You know, it's been 18 months essentially where I've been getting a wage for not giving anything in return. And they've been quite accepting of that because they obviously realise that I need that period of time to, to get back to being fixed, I suppose, whether that's with this arm or another arm. That's, that's, that's pretty helpful because that's kind of involving you and keeping you going instead of just dropping you and leaving you on your own. Exactly that, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, that's one sort of positive of being in the army. You do get that period of time where you can try and fix yourself and be given that chance. You know, you know if I wasn't in the army, you know, you've got families involved, you've got a house to look after, and essentially you could have no wage to support yourself. So, yeah, it's nice having that support network around you. And what's pretty impressive is, like, even a few months after your accident, you're in the um, doing your first CrossFit event, smashing heavy weights, doing pull-ups. All one arm press ups, one arms, everything. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the stubbornness inside me. That it's, uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, it's good. Like I said, the CrossFit thing for me was sort of a new area. It was something I hadn't been introduced. Exactly. To focus on gave you a goal. Yeah, exactly that. You know, you, you sort of have this sort of I don't know idea that CrossFit are these massive like he man looking people that can do upside down handstand press ups and whatever. You know, when it was uh, introduced to me, I was a bit like, mm, I don't know, I'm a bit I'm biting off too much than I can chew it. Uh, and, you know, you were there when we were there. You sort of, I don't know, I don't know if it's an army thing or just a normal life thing. You see something and you're like, boom, yeah, let's go. Smash it full steam ahead. Exactly that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, no, it, that event, you know, really good. Opened up the doors to other events you know and it just becomes a networking thing then you meet people there that know more than you do about this stuff and you get a bit of information off them and then you find yeah, out that yeah and that's it you just end up pepper point between all these different people gathering little bits of information and before you know it you're off away on your own then with everything you need and then there's nothing stopping you really exactly that so what would you say is your biggest proudest achievement Oof. um proudest achievement Probably passing my PTI course, as small as it as it might seem. Yeah, passing that in two thousand eighteen. So for me, I did a period of sort of being 
trained, if you like, in the gym. So I had somebody who's actually now one of my best mates. Um, he was my instructor at the time. So they teach you all the stuff to do within the gym, the policies, you know, how to run a gym, how to conduct yourself in front of people, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then it's like a selection process. There's more people than they can send on the course on this sort of little training program. And then if you do well enough in that period, they send you because they feel like you're prepared enough. And then the course itself, I think, if I remember right, back then was eight weeks. Uh, the first week is sort of like all the testing. Um, so the Monday was what you call at the time a PFA. So it was a personal fitness assessment. It was like press-up, sit-ups, and then a mile-and-a-half run. Um, and then on the Wednesday, you'd have the MST, which is military swim test. So you tread water for two minutes, and then you do, I think it was four lengths. Um, and then the final one would be the AFT, which is annual fitness test, which was uh, an eight-mile tab. And that had to be completed within under two hours. Um, so, yeah, if you did that, the rest of it really afterwards was just academic stuff. You know, you do your um, human anatomy and physiology stuff, you know, policy stuff that was specific to the army. And then, yeah, at the end of the eight weeks, if you uh, if you did well enough, you got to stick on a nice white vest and a nice white pair of shorts, a red belt and go and you get, you get do some yeah, and then go and do some uh, go and do some dodgy dancing on the on the floor, shop floor. But no, yeah, one of the best courses, and I think one of the only courses I think I've come across since being in that um, treats you like an adult. You know, there's a lot of courses that test your sort of mental robustness and sort of beat you down and try to see how you adapt to certain things. But with that one, it was just you know black and white. Go in there. This is how we're going to be. This is what we expect of you. You know, and that's that. And that's exactly how it was for the full eight weeks. And a really enjoyable course and something I've. I've always spoke highly of and recommend to everybody. Well, what would be interesting is to see if you could still do that that training course, even with your arm the way it is now. I reckon you could still smash it now. Uh, yeah, and this is something that I've uh, I've posed a question about once the arm's sorted. Um, you know, there's definitely a lot of things that I'd like to try, just, you know, whether I've passed them or not, I don't know. But I've, I'm always one of those people, where, or one of those persons that's like, I'd rather reach for the stars and not reach them than have it always there, not knowing what whether I could have or couldn't. Um, so, yeah, yeah there's definitely... You might, you, might, you might have this physical challenge, but you can still push yourself way beyond kind of thing. 100%, yeah, no, 100%, yeah. That, that you know, mind can overcome a lot of stuff, uh, I think is one of the sayings a lot of people say, you know, and it is, you know, I, you can either give up and assume you can't do it or you can at least try it and fail. But I, I, I'm, I'm always one of those people that would rather try and fail than not try at all. And you might find out how what capabilities you really have by just trying. Exactly. Yeah, I might surprise myself. So, for people that might be watching that might have um, disabilities, well, what kind of advice would you give to them? Um, if they can't reach their full capability because of their disability. I think so. The first thing is, you know, like I just said, then the biggest thing for me was accepting it. I think just don't shut yourself off. Um, I think you have to not go it alone you know like i say you have to network you have to speak to people something talking to people something i never did you know it's, it's never been me um, but i think the more i've done it myself first-hand experience the more i've realized you know it can massively help and it can help you with these little things like crossfit events you know um, in terms of physical capabilities like i've just said i've just gone from being in the army for eight years taking people for fizz being the person at the front screaming and shouting and you know now, essentially, I can't grab over the pull-up pull up bar and do a pull-up, but that doesn't mean I can't give it a shot. You know, it's you can either accept that that's what you used to do and move on, or you can always dwell on the past and just no, not go anywhere. Um, so I think, yeah, just, just try and adapt to it, you know, be accepting of your circumstances and situations. Don't dwell on the past. Don't 
give yourself some idealistic sort of future that's not you know not going to happen just bite the bullet and move on that's that's the, the best. Yeah, right. exactly that yeah, you, you can't you know the past is a past you can't do anything about it but you can you know change your future 100 percent so what's what's kind of next for you what's your aims to achieve next and get this arm sorted <laughs> yeah get this arm sorted at the moment yeah so i've got to just yeah i really want to just get this sorted now it's been a quite a long period um you know and i think it'd be unhonest of me to not be honest and say you know i've had my periods of sort of being in that little dark hole you know it's 18 months is a long time um i think sometimes people can beat themselves up if they if they deal with it the wrong way or if they go in a little bit of a black hole but i think for me it's been good because it sort of gives me a comparison you know um i can look back and go you know I've got through that stage, you know, I've dealt with it in this way and I've overcome it and whatever, and now we're moving on. Um, but I think for me, massively at the minute, it's just getting this arm sorted now because it's been like this essentially for since I left hospital in February last year. Um, you know, I just want to, all these things and uh, all these things for rehab and recovery and stuff, and what can be my future have been sort of told to me. I know it's realistic, but I think it's just getting there now. It needs to, it, the ball needs to start rolling, if you know what I mean. Was you ever kind of told, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that anymore? Like, I find hospitals are very negative. Like, whenever something happens, they're like, oh, you can't do this anymore, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, I think they are. It's almost like, yeah, it's like, what's the saying? I think they try and do, like, expectation management. I think if they put, if they, if you're aiming for something up here and they tell you, "Mm, well, actually, you're down here, if you're aiming for that then because a specialist has told you and you hit that, you're like, boom, yes, I'm absolutely buzzing. Whereas I think for hospitals, if they say, yeah, yeah, you should be able to do this and then you're down mm-hmm. here, you're all of a sudden like, well, wait a minute, she said I should have been doing this. Like, why am I? Yeah, so I think a lot of it's expectation management. But yeah, 100%, a lot of hospitals have been like that. I think the only place it wasn't was when I went for my military rehab because um, it's military rehab, you just straight as an arrow you know if you can't do something can i go and do a pull-up no you can't because you've only got one arm mate <laughs> roger you do know what i mean but yeah yeah the hospitals are like that but i think a lot of it's just expectation management have you got any more crossfit events um in, in the pipe work not at the moment no so i've got a lot of um sort of courses mandatory courses i've got to do for my rehab it's sort of like a tick list if you like for the military just to make sure that they've prepared you enough if you know what i mean um so I've got a few courses upcoming and then once that's sorted, um, get this amputation sorted, really get it nipped, get the arm off and start that pathway. You know, it's going to be, I've been estimated between six months to two years of rehabilitation to get used to my electrical prosthetic. So it's quite a, quite a long period of time. So I think get that sorted and put the, put the, uh, the Metcons down for a little bit, if you like, and uh, just switch fire to that because that's the priority. Nice. So if people want to kind of get in contact with you or watch what you do on your social media stuff, how can they get in contact with you and how, how can they find you? Uh, so Instagram, I'm quite quite uh, low-key when it comes to social media. I've never been a massive fan of it. It's something I had to sort of open my doors to a few years back. But Instagram's the one forward, uh, Eden underscore PT. That's where I put all my stuff, really. Um, you know, and over the last few months, especially, you know, meeting people like yourself and being introduced to the companies that help people with their adaptations and disabilities and stuff, it's, it's where I get to see other people do their thing as well. Um, and, yeah, Instagram only, me. So if you want to see um, Eden doing his deadlifts with his one arm and his, and his strap as well, or doing his workouts with his adapted ways, 
um, check him out on Instagram. And yeah, if, if you have, know anyone that might be struggling in the same way, the same things as Eden does, just send a message or hit him up on Instagram. Anyway, thanks for today, Eden. Great chat. And I look forward to seeing you soon in future competitions. That's it. Take care of yourself, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having Cheers. me. Bye.